containers in the building. Greetings, greetings, everyone. Greetings and welcome to the Stamp of Approval podcast. I am Bobby Stamps, your host, and we're up to episode number 15. Uh, I'd like to thank you for joining me today, and, and I'd like to thank you for taking some of your, uh, I would say, very valuable time out, but, but quite honestly, if you're like me and like a lot of people, um, our time isn't quite as valuable as it was a couple of months ago, because we've got a lot of time on our hands. Um, but regardless, I'd like to thank you for taking time to, to, to uh, join me and to support uh, my podcast. I would also like to thank B- at the hyphen podcast group he is uh, uh, he is as you know the man that puts this thing together for us i i record into this microphone and then he does the rest he gets it out to all the uh the distribution platforms and gets it uh to into your ears uh so really like to thank b hyphen for that uh, i also would like to encourage you to go to hyphen podcast group um he has a collective of, of really talented podcasters that talk about a wide 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 variety of topics and i'm pretty sure that you could find something that interests you uh with with some of his his podcasters so please go check him out uh if you can also really 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 want to give a big thank you as always to my sponsors pennington distilleries the makers of davidson's reserve tennessee whiskey pickers vodka a uh, small, privately owned, uh, American-owned company out of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, a little side note, really, really proud to be you know, associated with those guys now. They have, I think they've stopped for now making uh, their beverages, and now they're making hand sanitizer uh, for everybody that needs it. Obviously, there's a huge, huge need for hand sanitizer in our country. Uh, if you don't believe me, go try to find some. They're making hand sanitizer. They were giving it away to citizens of Nashville. You could you could pull up in their parking lot and they would give you, they'd fill your container up, I think up to a gallon. And I know they're sending a lot of it out to uh, first responders, to emergency workers, to frontline workers, uh, you know, in the hospitals and, and people that are in dire need of it, uh, but that maybe not be able to get it. So big thank you to those guys. Really proud of them for doing that. And again, I'd like to encourage you next time you are in your package store, Pick up a bottle of Pickers. Pick up a bottle of, da- of Davidson's Reserve. Uh, trust me, you won't be disappointed. Uh, they And I'll, I'll get these numbers for you, but they've been uh, getting their results back from a lot of the, uh, I guess, taste tests there are, for lack of a better word for it, but they have been doing really, really well up against a lot of those big-name spirits and big-name uh, companies that you've probably heard of. Um, so test, test it out. Try it out. Uh, you won't be disappointed at all. So I kind of torn uh, today, y'all. I, I, as you know, I, uh, as I tell people, every meal that I've ever put in my mouth has been as a, as a result of small business, whether it was uh, my dad's small business, working for my aunt's small business. Uh, my mom has been employed by small business uh, most of, of her adult life. Um, I have always been you know, my own small business and entrepreneur. I'm with a small business now. Um, and so I, I fight for small business vigorously. That is my priority uh, when I go to the ballot box, uh, when I'm looking at policy, 
And this, what we're doing right now as a country um, is hard for me to, to sit back and accept. Um, and I, I know I promised, I said that we would talk sports, uh, you know, on, on the podcast and not get political. We would talk about some culturally uh, relevant events. So obviously the, the, what we're doing now with the uh, COVID-19 and the, uh, the, the, the social distancing and the government uh, ordinances put in place, either uh, statewide, locally, or, or at the federal level. I know we said that, that we would stick with sports, but you can't ignore the impact that uh, what I, I feel kind of silly saying you can't ignore the impact. But guys, this is the biggest economic disaster that we've ever seen. And God, let's hope it's the biggest economic disaster that we ever see, because I don't know how one, I don't know how and if we will come out of this. We just don't know. We think we do, but we don't know for sure. So if anything larger than this happens, uh, I think we're going to be up the creek. But we don't know uh, what what's on the other side of this thing. Um, so this is, you know, we're right smack dab in the middle of something that will be talked about probably for the rest of history. You know, I was in New York City on 9-11, a lot of you know, and when that happened, you know, I was able to process and say, hey, you know what? This is, this date will be remembered forever. You know, this is our generation's Pearl Harbor. It's the same exact happening. Um, and obviously we weren't physically attacked by an enemy, but what we're going through now is you know, it's on par with with disasters like that. Uh, we don't know the answer. We don't know a treatment. We don't know a uh, a cure. We don't know a vaccine. We don't know when we'll be able to to get back to our normal lives. So I want to talk about, and I, I don't want to get too deep into it because I know you didn't come here. If you want to talk about this stuff, you can watch television and you can turn on any station in America. But I do want to um, just ask you to please uh, be compassionate for small business owners uh, that for each day that goes by sees their life savings, their life's work in many cases, the way they provide for their families, uh, sees that uh, dwindle away. Um, you know, I know that you hear that there are these, um, the, the, the PPP loan and the SBA loan and the disaster loan. Uh, quite frankly, y'all, I don't know anybody that's seen a dime. <clears throat> I know a lot of people that have applied. I know most people have not even heard back. You know, you've been approved, you've been denied, and a lot, most people haven't heard anything. So um, when the government shuts down your business or severely restricts it, you know, when you own a restaurant or you own a barbershop, you own a, a clothing store, in my case here, I mean, we do land and real estate, a real estate land development and brokerage. Um, luckily, we're still deemed a, luckily for me at least, we're deemed a, uh, we're deemed a um, essential business because building in Georgia is essential as it should be, but that doesn't mean our business hasn't been affected. A lot of the clients that we deal with are in a holding pattern. A lot of the lenders are in a holding pattern waiting to see what happens. So our business has been affected as has a lot of people. So 
And the reason I say that is this. I know a lot of you are saying, stay home, don't work. Uh, if you stay home, we can, we, can, we can whip this thing. That's easy for somebody to say that's not losing their livelihood and potentially losing their home, uh, their ability to feed their families. I know health insurance is a big hot button topic now. A lot of people are losing their health insurance because they're losing their jobs that provide the health insurance or they are not able to pay the health insurance premiums. Very dear friend of mine cut his own, he cut his family's health insurance out um, a couple of weeks ago because they couldn't afford to make the payments. So I would ask you to please be, uh, have some compassion there before you just fire out, stay home, uh, don't move around, um, don't worry about the money. It's, money's not everything. When you're telling somebody that's potentially putting their family out of a house uh, and without health insurance to remain healthy and without a way to eat, um, money's pretty doggone important, okay? So just just be respectful of that. Be respectful of both sides before you say stay in, uh, don't move. And, and on the flip side, before you say, well, we need to go back to work full stop, full speed ahead, you know, there are a lot of people that are uh, high risk. There are a lot of people that you may work with that are healthy as a horse, but they may have a high risk person in their household. They may have a high risk uh, a child with a compromised immune system. They may have uh, an, an adult even with a compromised immune system. There are various things uh, that, that people are battling every day that, that force their immunity to be um, not as strong as, as some people's would normally be. Obviously, we have a lot of elderly people living amongst us and with us. So let's just please be respectful, but you know, mainly staying at home and not working and having our economy shut down is absolutely, positively, 100% not the answer. It's not possible to happen. Um, I think my question to you would be, when would, when would you like for us to go back to work then? I've heard people say we shouldn't. I've heard the more liberal people say we should not move around until we should not open the country up until we get a vaccine. Well, when's the vaccine coming? I don't know. Maybe a year. Okay, so maybe a year. A year. We can't do what we're doing now for another month, people. In a year, we will be, uh, you know, in, in Mad Max level. You know, everybody, we won't have a society in a year. Okay. And that's, and, and you're saying, we don't even know if the vaccine will be here in a year. So um, let's just all get together. Let's be, uh, let's, let's show some common sense. Let's take care of the people that need to be taken care of. If you have a compromised immune system, if you live with somebody that has a compromised immune system, uh, the elderly, let's take care of those people. But if you're healthy bodied, uh, let's get back to work. Let's be safe. Let's wear our masks. If we have a mask, let's figure out a way to get masks first. That'd be good. But let's, let's get back to work. Let's get money flowing through our economy. Uh, so we can take care of people. Because pro tip, guys, we all run out of money. Nobody's getting taken care of. I don't think anybody realizes the effect of the economy crashing will have on everybody. You know, we're, we're going to lose, let's say, you know, I don't know how many thousand, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 die of COVID-19, many of which were pre-existing pneumonia, uh, respiratory illness, things like that, heart issues, uh, you know, congestive heart defect, heart failure. 
Um, you let the economy crash, you know, watch how many people uh, are sick and dying for, for lack of health care. Um, the amount of thing, the heart disease, the cancers that aren't able to be taken care of because they don't have health insurance. You know, but that's my soapbox, y'all. I'll, I'll jump off. I'll, I would like to, again, just respect where someone else may be. Just because your money hasn't been affected, your family's income hasn't been affected, doesn't mean that your neighbor's hasn't. Okay, so enough of that. Let's move on to something. Um, you know, I don't want to get too political. I don't, I don't want to. I just don't want to. Um, I may later on. Who knows? But let's move on. Um, Masters Sunday was supposed to be last Sunday. Obviously, that did not happen. Uh, many spring football games through colleges uh, were supposed to be yesterday and the week before and the week after. Obviously, that's not happening. Uh, baseball is supposed to be going full speed now. It's not happening. NBA is supposed to be starting the playoffs. That's not happening. Um, so when are we going to get sports back? I know the, the everybody around here and, and, and by around here, I mean in the South, you know, in Atlanta, Southeastern Conference area, ACC area, um, we seem to be positively thinking, positively hoping that we will have college football as scheduled. Um, Y'all, I just, um, I'm I'm sorry to be negative here, but I just don't see that happening. And the reason is, um, you know, we're we're looking at 1st of September. We're already essentially in May now uh, to to play as scheduled. The guys were, were, you know, going to show up late July, early August for fall camp. And that was after going through a spring practice, an off-season workout period, uh, you know, going back to school in the summer and working out in the weight room and, and eating right and being ready to go, being cranked up at maximum physical condition in early August. Um, the guys, the, the college football players have been home for roughly two months uh, away from that strength and conditioning coach, away from that state-of-the-art weight room and training facility away from that training table with that nutritionist that has their their blood work their weight their target weight uh had their their diet detailed down to the last calorie how many calories are you going to eat you're going to eat this much protein this much carbohydrate this much fat content you know this much red meat chicken you know they had it just down to a t to keep those guys at maximum condition and at their target weight now those guys are at home i'm sure they're doing is they're probably working out to the best of their ability but they can't go to a gym i would probably assume 90 percent, 95 percent of those people don't even have access to a weight weight room weight bench so when they are able to come back their weight is going to be way off because they're not able to, to, to have the right food. Their uh, strength and condition is going to be way off because they haven't been able to, to keep themselves in, in tip-top shape. And when are they going to be able to come back? School presidents and ADs have said they're not going to uh, bring football players back or at least not play games until the student body is welcomed back on campus. Where we are now, do we really see 
universities around the country being open uh, when classes are supposed to start in August. Do you see four or 500 kids being in one classroom uh, then? I just don't think so. So I think that we really could be looking right down the barrel of a, um, at best, a postponed college football season. I know they, they're, they're kicking every idea around. I know they're mentioning, you know, I've seen some, uh, some projections of starting the season in January. I don't really know how that would happen. I just don't know how you would play a season in starting in January, February, March, um, you know, in places like the Midwest. You know, how would Minnesota, how would Wisconsin um, play games in January, practice and play games in January, February? They, I, I, don't, I don't see that being possible. So the only thing we have to do now is just hope for the best as far as college football goes. Um, NFL football is a different story, I think. Um, one, because those players are getting paid, and if they don't play, they won't get paid. So they're going to figure it out. Okay. Uh, I have seen Roger Goodell say that he expects the season to start as scheduled. Um, I could see that happening with no fans in the stands. Um, as you know, the NFL uh, TV money is huge, and I'm sure with no fans in the stands, they would figure out a way to make it bigger. Uh, with no college football on, I think that um, the NFL would probably switch games to Saturdays, and that would increase their income, their revenue. But I think NFL will figure out a way to make it happen, um, I think. You know, maybe the players would, would have to sign waivers that if, if they or a family member or, or somebody contracted the virus, they couldn't sue the NFL or sue the team. I don't know, but it's just a lot we don't know at this point. Um, are we, you know, an NFL football team has 58 people on the roster. Um, I don't know what, 50 more staff members, if not at least. Um, you know, are we going to be able to get 100 people together? Um, in close proximity in three months to, to, to go through fall camp, to go through uh, training camp, and then to travel and play games even if there are no people in the stands? I think that's more likely, but I um, – and then if one person, one, contracts it, what are we going to do? Hmm, I don't know. It's, I think they'll figure it out, but right now everything is just up in the air at this point. Uh, Baseball, kind of the same situation. I, you know, who knows? I know there's a lot of money at risk at stake for these players, and the and especially the players. Players don't play; they don't get paid. They want to make money. They're going to try to figure out if at all possible. Uh, the NBA, I think, will probably probably figure out a way to finish the season, even if it means finishing the season with no fans uh, in in the fall, and even if it means pushing back the start of next season. I think they're going to figure out a way to finish their season. Um, just, you know, again, it's, it's in the NF, in the pros, it's all about money. Um, and I think they will figure out a way to make sure they get their money and not lose. Um, but, you know, it's, it, there's just so much we don't know about the virus. Uh, we don't know if we have an effective 
treatment. We have a lot of things that seem to have worked as treatments. However, um, you know, we've got a lot of people that are trying to monetize, trying to create a, a vaccine and a treatment for it, and they're trying to monetize that. So, you know, best believe that when you hear a ZPAC works against it, even if it does, they're going to do all they can to deter uh, people from using ZPAC. Follow the money here. Um, I think I think that's uh, one of the reasons that you know you hear these treatments that have shown some promise, but they are out of patent, meaning nobody can monetize them. Uh, that's why you are um, kind of being deterred from that, and all of a sudden the media just stops talking about it. My personal view. So, um, want to you know as i mentioned you you know my stance on small business i want to support small business wherever possible um i want to talk about smoke rise group my good friend jeremy hubbard if you need um up here in the you know northern atlanta suburbs area the coming georgia johns creek area if you need um anything done around your office you need an office built out you need you know anything done uh you need your basement built at your house you know you want to finish your basement Call Jeremy, uh, whatever you need, you know, jobs like that, call Jeremy Hubbard, Smoke Rise Group, and let him come and look at it and give you a price. He's a top-notch individual, does top-notch work. You won't be disappointed. Give Jeremy a call, 770-500-8793. And uh, let Jeremy come out and give you a quote and uh, to, to see if uh, he can help you out on any work that you may need, excuse me, that you may need done. And going back, you know, obviously it's a tough time for a lot of people. There are a lot of people that are, have lost their job, lost their income. Um, and, and a lot of people that are lucky enough to still have 100% of their income. Some people's business has picked up, you know, and, and good for you. But if you need a little bit of money to get by, um, you need some bills paid. You just need something to, to, to get by until things are back to somewhat normal and your income is back to normal. And you're in the Athens area. Go see my good friend Greg Reeves at uh, Athens Pawn and Reeves Jewelry. On a, I think he's on Hawthorne, but Athens Pawn and Reeves Jewelry. Uh, go by and uh, talk to Greg about a loan. He'll loan you, you know, what you need. Uh, you just need something of value. Um, to, as collateral, and, and he'll take. He takes a lot of things, take you know, jewelry or uh, computer, anything of value, computers, televisions, um, old cell phones, iPads, um, you know, golf clubs, whatever you have. Go see Greg. He's a good fella. He'll treat you right, and he'll get you what you need until you can get things back to normal and uh, come back and, and uh, repay the loan and pick up your merchandise. So go see Greg and uh, see if he can help you out there. So talked a little bit about um, the, us missing the Masters this year. Um, you know, we, we're going to miss the Kentucky Derby in, uh, what's that, it's supposed to be the first Saturday in May, so I guess that's what, a couple of weeks away. Um, we are proceeding with the NFL draft on Thursday. Apparently, they're just going to do what we've been doing forever. They're just going to do a fantasy football draft. They're going to get online and pick players. Um, I, I think they're going to televise it somehow. I don't know if they're going to televise it on ESPN or if it will be online somewhere, but they're going to televise the draft. Um, and what I want to do, I, I don't want to talk about the draft now because what I'm going to try to do 
is um, drop in a, in a day or so. I'm going to try to get some guys together and, and ask them to share, talk a little bit about the draft, but I want to get some uh, their stories. I'm gonna, I say guys together, get guys together that have gone through the process, that have been uh, drafted by the NFL, and I want to get you know their story of leading up to the draft, how, how they prepared and what they were told and just what the process was like, what their draft day was like, uh, what, what the feeling was when they got the call, and uh, you know, to give us a little bit of insight on what some of these guys may be thinking uh, on Thursday night and Friday night and then Saturday as these uh, these college players' names are called by the NFL. We'll, uh, we'll, we we, we want to do that, and I want to do that pretty soon, obviously, as we're, we're four days from the draft. Uh, so I'll try to get that lined up, hopefully tomorrow or, or maybe Tuesday at the latest, uh, if I can. Uh, so... You know how I feel about the Masters, us missing the Masters. That's a, one of my, without a doubt, it, probably my favorite week of the year. Um, it just, it means so much to a lot of people. I think us, Joe, I know Augustans really uh, take pride in the Masters, as they should. But I really feel like being a Georgian that, you know, the Masters is still kind of, it, 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 it's a Georgia thing as well and something that we should take pride in. And, you know, not having the Masters, just, just it's hard to, to, to comprehend, comprehend, hard to fathom for me. Um, November Masters, I don't know how that's going to, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out simply because it's a different time of year. And typically, they shut the course down in, in May and open the course back up in October. Okay, so and what they do from May to October is they go in and they redo, usually redo everything. They redo fairways. I mean, they redo the greens. They, they, they rip everything up, put it back down. They, you, know, you know about all the piping they've got under the course to help it drain. Uh, they've got the, um, the, the things under the greens to help them defrost if it's cold, to help them cool down if it's hot. Uh, just a, the most unbelievable golf course in the world. And um, so when they shut it down, um, and reopen it in October, I don't know what they're going to do differently this year to have the course tournament ready in November. Um, so that'll, we'll see. I, I do think it will play differently. I just, I, I don't really have a clue, but I can tell you this. I'm glad we're having the Masters in, I'm glad we're having a Masters. I mean, you know, we're having the Masters in November. Then we're going to turn around and do it again in April, a schedule next year. Hey, sign me up. Two Masters in five months. Hey, I'm in. Sign me up. Um, you know, I was really like like everybody. I was really looking forward to this year because Tiger was defending uh, champion. We all know what happened last year. Um, you know, my wife may have thought that I was kind of weird Sunday that I sat there and I watched the final round from last year on replay. Um, I watched all five hours of it. You know, but, um, you know, I, I thought Tiger, what he did last year was just, it was unbelievable. Uh, I thought that, I thought it was a great tournament overall. Um, and I was looking forward to this year to see, um, you know, just, I think the hype would have been, uh, ramped up like it was back in the old days. So we'll wait for November for that. We'll see how, you know, with, instead of the masters being the first major of the year, it will be the last, they're going to play the tour championship, 
um, as scheduled uh, early September, I guess it is. They'll play the PGA, uh, I think, as scheduled in August. I do not know what the plan is for the U.S. Open or the British Open, uh, but it won't be before the Masters. So the Masters coming late in the year, um, you know, will be a change for the guys, but best believe they'll be there. But <clears throat> last year when Tiger won, I was doing the podcast, as uh, as some of you may know, I was doing the Team EP podcast with my good friend Mike Davis. And, and when Tiger won the Masters, uh, I had so much on my heart that I wanted to discuss. And, um, you know, Mike and I couldn't get together on, on, on when we could record the podcast. I was working, he was working, um, you know, and, and with kids. And I had Little League Baseball. I think he was coaching his youngest son in soccer. So we just couldn't get together. And, you know, by the time we did another podcast, it was old news, so I wasn't able to discuss it. <clears throat> but I wanted to talk about it and what it meant um, to, uh, to so many people, uh, particularly guys, I think, you know, in the, what, 35-ish, um, 35, 33, 34, you know, age up to about, what, 50, 48 ish, 40, 50 ish, something like that. You know, the guys that were Tiger fans. Um, and, and, and it meant a lot to us. Um, and I, I just had a lot that I wanted to talk about. I mean, because Tiger had overcome so much to get there, and he had been such a public figure uh, for so long, he had been under the spotlight. And, you know, a lot of people said a lot of negative things about Tiger. And I think Tiger would probably admittedly would say, you know, back in the day, back in the, you know, early 2000s, up until the, uh, the I think it was 08, the, uh, when he had the wreck and, and Elon, uh, the, the golf club incident, which really uh, brought to light uh, a lot of the problems that he was going through, the marital problems, the, um, you know, I think you could call it drug abuse with the um, Ambien. Um, I think that that, you know, you, that's when a lot of that stuff came up. And then, you know, he gets back from that. He, he gets, you know, he deals with that. Then he starts having the back issues. And obviously we know about the knee issues. And um, he was just going through a lot. And it seems to be based on the, uh, the way he's treated on tour by the other tour players that, he's completely changed as who he is now. He seems to be genuinely liked on tour, uh, and he seems to really care about what guys think about him. Whereas back in the day, you know, Tiger and Stevie Williams were just the monsters that showed up and just destroyed everybody and then went and did their thing and didn't give a damn what people thought. And so when Tiger won the Masters last year, there was just... I mean, I had, I, I talked to every friend of mine, I, you know, a lot of our friends and we had several text chains going and, and there was just so much being uh, shared between us. And I had so much on my mind. I wanted to, to share too, um, that I wasn't able to. So <clears throat> what I want to do now uh, is I want to share something with you that I wrote last year. Uh, a day after the Masters. I wrote this on Monday, April the 15th. And um, I sent it to a few people and, and I sent it to some people in media that I know. And I don't, I don't know if it 
somebody published it or not. I, I don't know. But um, I want to share this with you. <clears throat> and, um, you know, just kind of sums up my thoughts on Tiger, but also about myself and also about a lot of people like us. And, and you know what? If you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're like me. You're a lot like us. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll share this with you. So it starts off in quotations. Walking into the office with Tiger as master's champ. Enjoy the morning, gents. It's about us today. My friend Jeff Moore sent me that text to a text chain of my friends and me that includes five married fathers, ages 35 to 48, with eight kids between them. I realized that, yes, it is about us today. Our guy had done what many, possibly even himself a year ago, thought was impossible. Tiger won the Masters. You see, Tiger is ours. The prior generation had Jack, the generation before them, Arnie. And like with everything, if our parents liked something, we couldn't. Because it just wasn't cool. Tiger was our age, he was cool, and he was kicking ass. But Tiger was so much more than a golfer. He was actually one of us. A blue-collar kid that didn't grow up wealthy and in a country club with all the advantages that that bestows. He grew up tough, middle class, like we did. His dad probably beat his ass, like ours did. This guy could beat any, could beat any of our friends, and now he's dominating the old, elitist establishment at their own game. If our guy can do that, then we can do anything. We can compete and win against anybody in anything. Those were simpler times for Tiger, as they were us. Tiger played golf every day, as did we if we desired. Tiger dated who he wanted, ate and drank what he wanted, and pretty much did what he wanted as did we. This was before marriage, before kids, before real jobs and careers that can grind on the deepest depths of your soul. Somewhere along the way, Tiger's job became a grind, much like ours. He also got married and started a family, as did we. Tiger lost his rock, his biggest role model and hero, his dad, Earl, at age 30. I lost my dad and best friend and hero and rock at age 26. Tiger tore an ACL, as did two of my buddies on the text chain. Tiger had multiple back surgeries, as did one of our guys. Tiger had an embarrassing DUI as did some of our guys. Tiger was forced to enter a drug rehab facility, as was one of our guys. 
Tiger had very public marital problems. Not only like some of our guys, but like the majority of couples. He and Elon divorced, like some of our friends have. I think we all realize at some point along the way, Tiger is us. Well, the only difference of about it is about a billion dollars in the ability to get on Augusta National whenever he wants. But as we watch our physical abilities diminish, our chests and our shoulders fall into our bellies, our bodies break down, jobs disappear, business and family issues grow, we still feel for Tiger because he's going through it also. And we don't want him to be going through it now. We desperately want and need for Tiger to become superhuman and do what he's done so many times prior and do something miraculous to give us a boost and provide us some hope. But Tiger's body wasn't cooperating much like ours. This was one thing that he could not will to happen and as hard as we all tried, we couldn't either. As he entered every major, as much as we said, Tiger can win. We really knew he couldn't. The Tiger we knew and adored was gone, just as our free-spirited, stress-free days of the past were. As we all began to accept the realization that we weren't going to be major CEOs and titans of industry, Tiger, following a two-year absence from major championship golf and another back surgery, returned. After playing some competitive golf, he entered the 18 Masters, making the cut at Augusta, then two top tens in the Open Championship and the PGA, followed by a win at Eastlake in the Tour Championship against the best 29 players on the PGA Tour, mind you, injected an invigorating amount of straight, uncut hope into our veins. We tried not to admit it, but quietly we were all looking forward to the Masters. My dear friend, Travers Payne, hosted me in Augusta for a few days during Masters Week. And we went out to the National, as the locals call it, for the Tuesday practice round. Speaking to several Augustans and those with knowledge of such things, the Tiger buzz was serious, if not subdued. Tiger had snuck into Augusta the week prior and played a practice round. And uh, for those with knowledge of that practice round, had shot 65 with a three putt on number one, and that uh, word was he did not miss a shot all day. Tiger was playing well, he knew the course, and he was confident. But still, we were guarded in our optimism. Our guy won. I didn't cry when Tiger hugged his dad, Earl, after winning in 97. I can say that I didn't cry yesterday when Tiger's son, Charlie, grabbed his dad following the win and clutched him mightily. I can say I didn't cry. I can say it was the pollen irritating my eyes. I can say that someone must have been cutting onions nearby. I can say it, but I'd be lying. I cried because as Charlie hugged a victorious tiger, I realized that my own son, Powell, hugs me like that. 
I realize that after all that we have been through, Tiger, me, my friends, plus millions like us, that we can still win, be happy, be successful, and enjoy life, and have the same hope just as we did long ago. Even as my birth certificate and vertical jump may say otherwise, yesterday afternoon, I was young again. We traded many texts over the weekend, but my friend David Willingham summed up what we all feel the best. I didn't ask David if I could share this, but hell, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission, I always say. Willie, I hope you don't mind. Tiger Woods is for our generation an athletic icon that we all loved and lately was the embodiment of us. Breaking down and suffering through getting older. Our natural skills have left us and we felt for him as his have also declined. But today we got to cheer for one day because we all got to be champions and feel his excitement. It was hope that washed over us. And for every old guy that told the story of Nicholas winning in 86 because he was their legend who got up one more time, this was our moment for us. Well said, David. And I wanted to share this story. Um, I've, I've been wanting to share my memories of last year. Uh, but I think with, with where we are uh, now in our country and, and around the world, I think this story of hope, you know, we all need hope. And we need anything that's uplifting in these times. And uh, I, I think this story, I think our memories of, of last masters, of, of, uh, of our guy overcoming adversity and overcoming the odds and coming back time and time again after uh, physical ailments, uh, uh, personal issues, substance issues, mental, uh, mental ailments, I'm sure. I think that hope is what we all need now. Guys, I appreciate you uh, sticking with me through that and taking a trip down memory lane to last year's Masters as, as we don't have, uh, or we didn't have the Masters this year, at least yet. Uh, as I said, want to, um, want, I'm going to come back with, I think I'm going to come, if I can get people assorted and, and get some guys involved, I'm going to come back with a draft podcast here in the next, um, you know, pretty soon, next day or two. Um, want to possibly bring some guys on to discuss their or their draft day memories and, and their preparation and uh, kind of maybe shed a little light on what these guys uh, are waiting for Thursday and Friday and Saturday, the, the guys in the draft class for this year. Hopefully we can put that together. Uh, also, big shout out. want to um, give a, uh, a thank you to one of my sponsors, State Lines Apparel. Uh, once again, small business founded by an ex-college football player here in Georgia. Uh, they've got some really good-looking products, really good-looking material. Uh, check them out on Instagram, State Lines Apparel. 
Uh, they got some really good looking game day stuff and, and obviously you don't have to wear it on game day, but really, really good looking hats, shirts, things like that. Uh, give them a, a, a look and uh, order some stuff. I highly recommend it. Uh, when we do get back to games, we've got some, some good looking stuff we can wear uh, to, uh, to see the team play. Also want to give a big thanks to my other sponsors. As you know, Pickers Vodka, Davidson's Reserve, Tennessee Whiskey, uh, the Smoke Rise Group, Jeremy Hubbard, Athens Pawn and Jewelry, uh, Greg Reeves, and uh, as I just mentioned, uh, State Lines Apparel. So once again, thank you guys for joining me. And, and you know, let's, let's again, let's, let's stay positive. Uh, let's, let's keep hope alive. Let's, let's know that there are better days ahead. Some of you I know are uh, in a pretty tough situation now. Uh, so just keep fighting, stay positive. Uh, we will come through this together and we will come through it stronger, uh, than we were prior. So I'm going to wrap it up. Um, once again, appreciate your time and hope to see or hope to, uh, Hope to be back with you in the next day or so, possibly with episode 16, and we can uh, talk about, hopefully have some uh, something interesting to talk about with the draft. So, guys, I appreciate you supporting me. I appreciate you uh, uh, spreading the word like I know a lot of you do. And um, stay safe, stay healthy. God bless. We'll see you on episode 16. Many a day has passed, the night has gone by But still I find the time to put that bomb off in your eyes Total chaos for these playoffs Thought we was absent, we're taking another route To represent the Dungeon family like Grey Day Me and my decide to take the back way We stabbing every city, then we headed to that back cave ATL, Georgia, what do we do for ya? Bulldog and like them Georgetown Hoggers Boy, you signed the silly thing, my room is sitting pretty Doing donuts, why you suckers like them suckers around titties Damn, we the committee, gon' burn it down What makes me want to get close to someone and snuggle? Fear. Salutations, I'm Melisette, and on A Frightful Fret with Melisette, I read classic horror stories combining audiobooks and audio drama into a podcast. Come away with me into the darkness and let me make your ears tingle with a sensation of terror. A Frightful Fret with Melisette. Available everywhere podcasts are, and find us at frightfulfret.net Don't forget. Look, I don't have much time, alright? So let me just say something real quick. My name is EG, and I am the host of two shows that are part of the Hyphen Podcast Group. The first show is called Catch the Show. It's a show where I talk about music-related news and pop culture, upcoming tours that you may want to catch shows of, and I tell you about a show that I call it it's the number one concert review podcast in the world and I've reviewed shows from Beyonce to Kendrick Lamar to even the Backstreet Boys so yeah that's Catch the Show the other show is called The Underground Monster slightly different kind of show but still music related it's where I cover basically underground independent hip-hop horrorcore and the juggalo culture so yeah if you're interested in either one go to hyphenpodcastgroup.com and or go to your favorite podcast platform and just search for them and hit that subscribe button okay got that cool now let's get you back to the show you were originally listening to thanks for listening don't forget to subscribe and comment this has been a hyphen podcast network production they're the bestest i'm getting paid at exposure